Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome an accomplished entrepreneur from Denver, Colorado, USA, Mr. Josh Allen Dykstra. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Josh is the Chief Executive Officer of Love Work, uh, which is a platform that helps large organizations reduce burnout and create great teamwork. He's a recognized thought leader on the future of work and company culture, and he's an author of a book titled Igniting the Invisible Tribe, Designing an Organization That Doesn't Suck. So, Josh, before we talk about uh, your book and uh, burnout, tell me a little bit about your own journey. Yeah, let's see. So I like I like to start my story with music. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I left university, I really thought I was going to be a performing musician, like a singer songwriter, you know, kind of person. And so I, I took that pretty seriously, uh, even released a few albums. Um, if you're really sleuthy, you, know, you can find them online, at least one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh what happened was while I was t- kind of pursuing music, mm-hmm. uh, I worked a lot of different jobs and I, a, as a musician does, right? Because being a musician isn't a very good way to you know, buy food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked, a, I worked a bunch of different jobs and I worked in big companies and small ones and for-profits and nonprofits. And I did all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And when I realized I didn't want to pursue music as a career, I looked back at all my all these different strange jobs that I worked mm. and I realized that in some situations my life was good mm. because my job was good and but and in some situations my life was worse because my job was worse right so I made this connection between work quality and life quality mm-hmm. and so that was that was kind of the first realization that I had mm. back mm. then around what I do now is there's a huge connection between my work and my life, you know, quality of life. Right. Um, and then, then the next realization was to kind of do more research and see that this wasn't just my story. Mm-hmm. This is everybody's mm-hmm. story, right? Everybody is hugely impacted by their work. And if their work is better, their life is better right. and vice versa. <clears throat> right. So, yeah, that set me down this path to yeah, how to figure out how to make work suck less because for mm. for most people in the world, roughly seventy to eighty percent, um, it doesn't it doesn't feel great. Mm. Work isn't a, work isn't the best part of their life. Absolutely. So let's talk about the idea of information to habit formation. Tell me, how does the process of converting information into a habit typically work? Yeah, I, yeah, this has become a really important point for me. So as I set off down this path to try to figure out how to make work better for people, mm-hmm. but there's there's a lot of ways that organizations try to do this now and, and have been for, for actually many decades. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's most, many, many people I think have, have encountered one or more of these things. And they're things like consultants mm-hmm. or executive coaches or assessments, mm-hmm. uh, personality assessments and things like that. And, you know, different um, events, right? We take you to go see a speaker and you see a right. great 
speaker, you read a great motivational book to get, or there's all these kinds of ways that uh, there's, there's a whole industry around this mm. right, that we're try to try to help employees feel more engaged mm -hmm. at work. Organizations know this is a big yeah. problem and they yeah. spend a lot of money trying to fix it. Mm. And so I did this in the traditional way for a long time, right? I was, if you wanted to do an offsite experience with your team, you would call me and I would come and hang out with your team for a half day or a whole day and give you a great experience and teach you some things. And you'd leave feeling very energized and excited. Mm. And then you'd go back to your office and forget everything I said mm. the next day. Mm. At least that was, that was my yeah. feeling, right? My, mm -hmm. my fear. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that's true, right? So if you look at the research, um, roughly 10% of kind of corporate training mm -hmm. delivers a concrete result, right? There's this drop off of, you know, oh my goodness, Josh said some great things and wow, we had a good time in that workshop. But mm -hmm. I get back to the office and I've got a thousand emails. I've got back-to-back -back meetings. How am I supposed to digest and okay. integrate mm -hmm. that information? It's, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult with how busy everyone is mm. in their actual job. Mm. And so I started to really think about, well, there has to be a better way to do this, right? There has to be a way to take information to habit formation, mm. right? There's how do you take, you know, great ideas and move them into application. Mm -hmm. And so this, right, there's a, there's a space here. There's a distance between what I know I should do and what I actually do. Mm. And the work environment, as it is for most of us, is not very conducive to actually building new behaviors and new habits and better patterns. Mm -hmm. um, it's there's a lot of inertia for it to just keep going the way it is. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I became very obsessed with that idea over the last five years. Mm -hmm. Is how do we actually move from just because there's great information out there. Right? Right. There's so much. Correct. If information alone could have solved this problem of you know work kind of yeah. sucking, mm -hmm. it would have. By mm -hmm. is my belief. Right? Mm -hmm. If if more information could have fixed this, it would have done it by now. Amazing. Um, I can't. And and are there certain types of information that are more conducive to habit form formation? You know, I I think so. I think what we've learned over the past, you know three to five years of building love work is that there's a couple of conditions that that information needs to meet, mm -hmm. right? So it needs to be as short as humanly possible is one, right? So people need to be able to like take it in in a digestible bite-sized way. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really important piece because, mm -hmm. you know, everyone already feels too busy, right? I, I've, I've never met anyone who says, you know, in, in the workplace, uh, wow, I just have so much extra time. I'm just sitting around. I'm bored. Right. Um, well, they might be for a different reason, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but nobody has a, nobody has time, right? right. So it's got to be really short. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the next most important thing is then if they have to be able to digest it, but then the next important thing is to be able to put it into practice. Mm -hmm. So it has to be behavioral. And this is the part that I think is really missing mm -hmm. from almost everything that's out there, right? It's, right? it's good. There might even be really kind of short things that I could digest. But then the next question is, how do I actually practice that? Mm -hmm. Right. So let's take something like psychological safety, right? So at this point, 
people who are paying attention mm. know that psychological safety is uh, it's completely necessary, right? It's a requirement. If you want a good team that functions well, right, and and you want an organization that a lot that, you know creates a lot of trust between people, you need psychological safety. Mm. So we know this. Mm. But how do you do it, right? Like, what are the actual behaviors that you practice mm -hmm. to build psychological safety? That's an entirely different question. Right. So once, so then the next step I would say, so you, right, you need a bite-sized thing and then you need a practice. But then the third part is you actually need a container that helps people practice, Okay. right? So it's not enough to know what the practice is. Mm -hmm. You actually have to do the practice, mm. right? So, that's how you start to build new behaviors. Mm. And it's really simple, but it's not very easy to do. Mm. But the other thing Josh is, and I'm just drawing on my own experience, in the workplace, there are good habits and there are bad habits that get formed. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the misconceptions about good and bad habit formation? Hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, right, right now, there's, there's so, there's so much more bad than, than good, mm. right? There's so, there's so like the way that work is structured right now really leads us towards a lot of bad habits, mm. at, at least in the U S right. And I think this happens in a lot of places around the world. Right. We have a very, we have a very strong connection to this kind of workaholic mm. kind of push harder, you know, go further, you know, sleep when you're dead kind of like mentality. Yeah. And, and that just creates a lot of bad habits, mm. right? It, it, it drains a lot of behaviors that end up not being very healthy mm -hmm. for us in any kind of long-term way. Mm. Right? So we end up prioritizing a lot of short-term mm. decisions versus long-term you know, consequences. Mm -hmm. uh, this has all sorts of impact, I think negative impacts on, it might have good impact on your you know, quarterly stock price, mm -hmm. but in terms of the long-time health of your company, it's not gonna do good things. Right. Well, Same thing with your health, mm -hmm. right? It, it, might, <laughs> it might feel good momentarily, but over the long term, it's not good for our bodies to work in this way. Um, so I think, yeah, I think we've got some work to do to really start to think about work differently. Mm. Like what is what is the point of work in our lives? And I think we had to contend with this in a different way through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And this, this gave us all a chance to kind of rethink Okay, what does work mean for me mm. in my life? And how does it fit and integrate into my life? Correct. Um, and so I, I think that was actually a really important and powerful moment for all of us to reflect. And now we're having to kind of contend with, okay, we've got a world that looks different kind of on the other side of this thing in, in mm. many ways. Mm. Um, but what are we what are we going to do differently now? Okay. And I'm I'm not. I'm not sure we've we've really quite figured that out yet. Well said, well said. And how does the uh, our environment that we live in, how does that influence our ability to form new habits? Yeah, yeah. Environment, 
environment isn't everything, but it's a lot. Correct. Right. <laughs> so there is a certain amount of things I can do as an individual, mm -hmm. but envi my environment is either going to make what I want to do or change mm -hmm. a lot easier or a lot harder. Right. Right. So it's, it's a little bit like, mm -hmm. So if I'm trying to just use my own willpower mm -hmm. to go to the gym and build a workout habit, right? So I want to do an, a physical workout. It's, it's hard for me to keep doing that by myself. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit easier if I have a buddy, right? If I have a friend who will go right. with me and to doing it with me every week at the same time, right? I've, and what I've done there is I've changed the environment, mm. right? I've, I've changed the structure around me mm. to give myself uh, more likelihood that I'll keep going. Because mm. this is the hard thing about habit formation is that, yeah. and anyone who's ever done a new year resolution knows this, right? The hard part isn't in the starting, the hard part is in the keeping doing. Mm. Right? It's, it's the not stopping by March or April, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's how do I keep this going in a meaningful yeah. way? Because mm. it becomes very unsexy very quickly, mm. right? It, it becomes, so, so what we have to do is, right, how do we keep, how do we build this in, into a routine mm. right, where it becomes almost second nature for us, right? And that's maybe the goal here is if it becomes like something like brushing my teeth where I don't yeah. think about it, mm -hmm. I just, right, then we've got a, a real shot of like keeping it going. Mm. But how do you get to that point? with some of these different ways to think about work, right? Mm. There's, there's a lot of things that we need to build. Well between, said, well yeah. said. So one more question relating to habit formation that I want to move to your book. My question is what role does technology play in aiding or hindering habit formation? Yeah, yeah, this is, I think this is a really important question because obviously technology is becoming a more prominent figure in our lives and not less. So I think we as a species need to contend with this. And, you know, so much of the technology we've built to this point, we kind of collectively, mm -hmm. right, as, as a society, um, so much of, the, of what we've done with technology so far is to, like, to help me buy more things that I don't need, mm. quite frankly, right? Like that, that's kind of what we've done, right? So I think about Instagram and the algorithm in Instagram is really good at showing me the things that I should spend money on mm. that I didn't know exist, right? It's very good. Mm. Uh, but can't we do better mm -hmm. than that? I, I think we need to do better than that. I think we need to take that kind of technology and say, how do we actually improve the human experience? Mm. Um, because right now, a lot of technology does kind of go in the distraction mm -hmm. to making my life better category, mm -hmm. instead of the, oh my goodness, this technology really helps me live a better life mm. category. Mm. And so this is a really important, and it's part of the Part of the contribution that love work is trying to make mm -hmm. is that we believe that technology can and should be used to help make people's lives fundamentally better Wonderful. Right? we can we can increase the the quality of the human experience through mm -hmm. technology mm -hmm. but we have to be really intentional 
about building the technology in that way, uh, not just to increase the output of you know people's dollars into uh, <laughs> into other people's wallets. <laughs> Great response, thank you, uh, Josh. Let's now talk about your book, uh, igniting the invisible tribe, designing an organization that doesn't suck. Tell me a little bit about your book and. Uh, what is the concept of the invisible tribe? Sure. Yeah. So let me talk first a little bit about that subtitle, right? This organization that doesn't suck mm -hmm. thing. Um, it's fun to say, mm -hmm. right? It's it's a good, you know, kind of subtitle for the book. Um, and I want to point out though that I mean that in a very literal way. Mm -hmm. So it's it, I don't mean it in just a kind of like fun to say way, mm -hmm. but like what organizations are are kind of the way they're constructed mm. is they're designed to suck resources right they they they're designed to consume resources from the planet mm -hmm. from you as a you know piece of human capital mm -hmm. right like the whole the whole structure of business is designed to take right and then I think what we need to do here is really think about, is that the right thing for business to do? Mm -hmm. Because I think, I think we've seen plenty of examples of, of really good businesses mm -hmm. that don't think of themselves this way, right? Mm -hmm. They think of themselves as something that they're giving back to the world. I think of like a Patagonia, for example, mm -hmm. right? Like, right, there's great businesses in the world, but they don't think of themselves as a consumer of resources. Mm -hmm. They think mm -hmm. of themselves as something that is generative. Mm -hmm. They're actually, they're life-giving instead of life-sucking mm -hmm. uh, for people that work there and for the planet around us. And so that really is what I'm trying to point out with, with that phrase, mm -hmm. right? that organizations work better when they're not sucking, right? When they're mm -hmm. actually, but when they're giving um, so that's important. Uh, the invisible tribe idea, what I realized when I was writing this book mm -hmm. is that there's also a tendency in business to um, try to kind of coerce people into doing things that maybe they don't exactly want to do. Mm. What I mean by that is you know, we, we spend lots of money trying to hire people into jobs and we give them lots of perks and we, you know, give them golden handcuffs and we do all sorts of things yeah. um, to try to keep people working. And our assumption, many, you know, a lot of the, the assumption back there is that people don't want to work. Mm. We've got to do all of these things to keep them working mm. because otherwise they won't show up and they won't do a good job and they won't. And this is very theory X versus theory Y. If, if people are familiar with that, yeah. right. It's like, so it's like the assumption here, right. Is that people don't want to work when I don't believe that's true. I, I believe that people want to work. They just want to work on something that's meaningful to Correct. them. Correct. On something that energizes them mm. and and this is the idea of the invisible tribe is that there's a whole group of people out there in the world mm. who care about doing something that's important and meaningful. Mm. And, you know, there's something that that's probably important and meaningful to you. And there's probably other people out there mm. that care about the thing that you care about too. Mm. And that's, and right now they might be invisible to you, 
You know, you've probably met lots of people like this through your podcast, right? right. It's like over the years, right? That you'll, you'll find people. It's like, oh my goodness, this matters mm -hmm. to you too. Yep. Yep. You don't That's have right. to, you don't have to coerce those people. Absolutely. To like, right? to like that, right? They just want to work. They're, they're working on the same thing that you're working on. Mm. And that is real power, That's right? It's, it's intrinsic motivation. Mm. And it's like, I want to, I want to contribute something to that conversation mm. in my life. Mm. And so there's a whole invisible tribe of people. And what this is, this is one of the cool parts about technology is that it makes the invisible tribe more visible, mm. right? It's much easier. Like, we would never have found each other, okay. right? Without technology, mm. right? And so it's it's really, I think, a powerful thing. Absolutely. Say, so many people out there who care about doing good work. Mm. I just need to find those people mm. instead of coerce a bunch of other people who don't actually care about the thing that I'm trying to work on. No, don't mm. do it that way. Mm. Find your invisible tribe, mm. make them visible. And, and you don't have to force them in any way because they want to join your cause, right? They mm. want. And so what this does is it flips organizations a little bit around too, a little bit to be more like a Patagonia, right? Where they say, here's the thing we care about. Here's the thing that matters to us. Here's the thing we want to work on. Mm -hmm. Who wants to join us, right? Come come be a part of this. Correct. And it's, it's such a fundamentally better way to <clears> run <throat> an organization. Hmm. You don't have to. You don't have to worry about engagement. As people come in, correct. Well said. So I have time for two more questions for you. My next question is that you also do a lot of work on the future of work and company culture. I wanted to ask you, how do you see the future of work and organizational design evolving in the coming years, and what should leaders and employees be prepared for? Yeah. So the the things that people and leaders really need to be focused on uh, in, in the future and how work is evolving. Mm -hmm. um, one of the big, the big parts of this that's really important is to understand. And I, I think, I think leaders are already seeing this again, kind of on the heels of the pandemic mm -hmm. is how much more organizations need to be self-managing, mm -hmm. right? It's just, if, if we're remote and we're dispersed, and you know we're hybrid. Uh, we're just not in the same kind of controlled office environment mm. that we mm. were mm. four years ago. Mm. And so leaders are already contending with this, of course. Yeah. Um, but what's happening is that we're we're moving, and, and organizations were already moving in this direction. And I talk about this in the book, right? That mm. the natural movement is towards more autonomy, mm. more flexibility. Um, People want that more and there's no, no reasonable reason why they shouldn't have it mm -hmm. in their work. And right, and the pandemic showed us this in a big way that, oh my goodness, we can do so many kinds of work in different ways mm -hmm. than we thought we could. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's a really big one. And it's bigger than people realize because what's, what's happening there is uh, A, from kind of the employee side, people are having to figure out how to be more entrepreneurial, mm -hmm. that they're having to be more self-managing. They're having to be more autonomous mm -hmm. uh, and make more decisions and hold more responsibility. And so from the worker side, 
this is this is kind of a challenge right and then also from the leadership side this is also a challenge because right i can't see those people they're not in my office like what are they actually doing are they working i have no idea right and so it brings up all sorts of things for leaders around mm -hmm. control mm -hmm. and power and what is my control and power mm -hmm. if i right if i'm not managing these people right, right? so it, it brings up kind mm -hmm. of lots of deep philosophical questions mm -hmm. about how do I lead people instead Correct. of just manage them? Mm -hmm. How do I inspire them instead of just tell them what to do? Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's that, that, that is a huge topic uh, for leaders. Uh, and I know there, I know leaders yep. are already yep. trying, trying to figure this out mm -hmm. and it's, it's a hard, Absolutely. hard thing, but that's going it, to, it's just going to keep happening. Right. Is the point, right. It's I just, agree. It's, I agree. It's not, okay. it's not done. No, no, no Absolutely. Uh, Josh, we've run out of time now, but uh, I just want to say thank you so much for speaking to me about uh, habit formation. I love the way you have linked information to habit formation. I think I learned several new things on how information can actually aid uh, habit formation. Thank you also for speaking to me about uh, some aspects of your book, uh, Igniting the Invisible Tribe. Um, I think... Uh, I'm going to ask all our viewers and listeners to go and check out Josh Allen Dykstra's book. Uh, I will go and check it also. Um, thank you for speaking to me and good luck to you. Thank you very much, Ash. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.